Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 522 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I am Sarah Wendell, and today my guest is Agatha Andrews. Agatha is the host of the She Wore Black podcast, which focuses on gothic and horror, and Agatha's a former librarian. I was a guest on her show back in July, and now she is coming to visit with me. Basically, horror and romance need to hang out, so we did. We're going to make book recommendations, we're going to talk about reader's advisory, and all the ways we connect books to readers. Please stay tuned to the end when she requests some help finding a very niche kind of book. I will have links to all of the books that we mentioned, and there are many, in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. Hello, and thank you to the Patreon community. How are you? You're looking fabulous today. Thank you so much for your support of the show. Every pledge helps me keep going. Make sure that every episode has a transcript. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. And if you would like to join our Patreon, please have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. This episode is brought to you in part by Caraway Home. It has been a little over a month since we got our new set of Caraway Home cookware and wow, wow, do we both love it. Our pots and pans were pretty old. They might have been from before our wedding, so at least 22 years old. And the nonstick did not do the nonstick and we both cook a lot. So our pots and pans get a lot of use. We ordered the entire cookware set in Navy and they're gorgeous. There's a fry pan, a saute pan, a saucepan and a Dutch oven with lids and they come with storage. It's like they know me. Every set comes with these little slots so that like each pan has its own little house. It's so great. But in terms of how they cook, they're fantastic. Adam and I both cook nearly every night and we put our cookware through a lot. I've scrambled eggs. I've simmered soup. I've fried chicken. Everything has come out perfectly. The pans heat up evenly. They hold a low simmer with no problem. And cleanup is amazing. Remember how I said my old cookware 
nonstick was no longer nonstick. This has solved all of the cleanup issues. Cleanup is so simple. Over 25,000 people have raved about their Caraway Kitchen, and you can try it for yourself. We both recommend it over here at Shea Wendell. Visit carawayhome.com slash Sarah to take advantage of this limited time offer of 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners, so visit carawayhome.com slash Sarah or use code Sarah at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. This episode is brought to you in part by Athletic Greens. If you are looking for an all-in-one supplement to start your day and you would like one that tastes good, who wouldn't? Take a look at Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because it is easy. It contains everything I need and want in a supplement. It's fast and it tastes good. First thing in the morning, one scoop, cold water, done. It's so easy and my stomach never gets upset either. After a long walk or a workout, it keeps me feeling really great. Athletic Greens is lifestyle friendly. It's vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and contains less than a gram of sugar with no GMOs. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is a climate-neutral certified company. It's great for travel too. The convenient travel packs are easy to bring along, especially if I'm changing time zones and I don't know when I'm gonna be hungry or what'll be available when I am. Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Sarah. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Sarah to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, you ready to talk books, horror, gothic, and the overlap between those genres and romance? Let's do this thing. On with my conversation with Agatha Andrews. I am Agatha Andrews, and I spent many years uh, as a bookseller and librarian, but now I am the host of the She Wore Black podcast, and I'm feeling quite fancy to be on Smart Bitches Trashy Books today. Aw, thank you. (laughs) What led to you starting a podcast? Well... Oh, boy. Um, So I was one of those sad Violet Gaze writers that needed a home last year whenever whenever Violet Gaze uh, went away, if you will, suddenly. And I was, you know, I, I was trying to get my rights back to my stories. And I actually had a Texas history podcast under a different name. Um, and I just said, you know what, I I miss connecting books to readers. I've been staying home from being a librarian for a long time. And sometimes Texans don't like to hear actual Texas history. And so that got less fun to do. <laughs> the devil you say. So lots of people appreciate it. About 50% of Texans appreciate it, but the other 50% are unpleasant. So I decided, yeah. you know, books, I'm going back to books. And it's yeah. a particular joy, right? To connect readers with books that they they might like it's a high it's a high that i get i it was that you know readers advisory is is what it's called whenever you're grilling your patrons or your customers about well what is it that you like and especially when it's angsty teens coming in going i hate books i have to pick something for class and you're like i understand dude you just have not connected with whatever it is that you're into because i don't like all books i don't like all movies like you don't have to like every song that's out, it's all the same. And so it's just kind of 
connecting readers to or connecting books to readers that that will want them and finding joy in people just getting excited about it. I mean, it's a fundamental part of humans, right? We tell stories and then we yes. like to hear stories. We like to hear stories about other people. There's a whole yes. industry about that. And in my experience, I've I've encountered some people who think that librarians are only supposed to recommend books that are the literary equivalent of lots of bran. I'm so ex- I'm so excited to talk about that because <laughs> it's it's so it's annoying. The worst. It's so it's annoying. It's the worst. It's like you and are not thing- a gatekeeper and arbiter of what is quality, no. for God's sake. It is that is, I mean, let me just tell you, Sarah, we <laughs> had a public librarian when I was a branch manager at a public library. And I should probably keep this in my pocket for a future story or something, but like our oldest senior citizen librarian had a box of books under her desk that was not cataloged because they were way too erotic. Like they were erotica with like fairies and like all kinds of wonderful things. Wait, that I people bet would I know donate. what book this is. Yeah, she would, she, and she, they were things that she wanted to like keep around because she knew that people would want them and she, it was called the naughty box. And so like ladies would come in asking for the naughty box. Like you have no idea what librarians are really up to as far as like in a good the way. Like, naughty we're box. But those were not things being passed around to kids. I think the current banning book phenomenon would try to have you think, oh, we're handing these out to five-year-olds. We were handing them out to other senior citizen ladies that just had already read everything else. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So whenever, I mean, being a librarian in Texas was interesting in the early (laughs) I'm sorry, that might need an award for understatement. Being a librarian in Texas was interesting. And I want you to know, that not only did I grow up in the Midwest, but I went to a college in South Carolina and I'm fully aware of all of the permutations of interest. Well, well said. Listen. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> listen, one of the things that people need to remember about Texas is that we're not a monolith. No. We are we are a very gerrymandered and voter oppressed state. Yes. So like we actually sent more vl- blue voters to the polls in the last election than every other state but New York. Yep. So people need to remember that, that 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 happened despite them like closing polls in high populated urban areas. The gerrymandering is so scientifically profoundly grotesque that there's entire books and NPRs and stories on it. And like, it's so precise so that we have the most, it's bonkers, Sarah, how, how badly we're gerrymandered. So I want people to remember that when they hear Texas being Texas, it's like the Florida man. It's like, that's, that's really not, <laughs> we're so diverse, you know, we're such a diverse place, but anyway. A lot of blueberries, so, lots and lots of blueberries floating in your tomato soup there. Lots yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, we, um, you know, being a librarian in Texas was interesting (laughs) because, you know, people would try to think that addressing diversity, all you needed to do was whip out the same five books for every Black History Month or, or, (laughs) you know, Hispanic Heritage Month or whatever. And I'm like, it was always for like Black History Month, it was always like, 
no joke, like Bill Cosby and Oprah biographies and like the same five things. And I'm like, you have so much you can pull from. Brace yourself for Hispanic Heritage Month. I had to tell other librarians to stop putting out biographies on like Ricardo Montoval for people that like, I was like, these children have never even heard of Fantasy Island. Like, stop that. (laughs) There's so much diversity in your own state of our people. Like, what are you doing? I mean, They'd put out Cameron Diaz biographies and think they covered, you know, so I had to start giving professional workshops on like what diversity should really look like, but I think it's so much better now. That was 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot better now. And, you know, it, it took some work, but I think we're definitely, definitely getting there. So what led you to starting your podcast and focusing on horror and mystery? Because I mean, I love that this exists. I love your show so much. Thank you. Thank you. I love any show that takes a deep embracing dive into a particular style of book. And there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot to cover for you. There's a lot there. Well, like I said, I was sort of kind of, you know, everything happened with Violet Gaze and I don't really want to talk about that very much, but I do, I did find myself, like, what am I going to do? You know, I, and so I just kind of made the switch from the Texas history. Cause I was kind of like a fun hobby, yeah. you know, to something where I could find, where I could revisit connecting readers with books. And while I figured out what was going on with my own writing and the reason why I chose, I really lean hard on Gothic because as oh, yeah. a romance writer, I was a Gothic romance writer. Oh, yeah. um, so I lean into my podcast um, in, into Gothic really deeply in my podcast, but I do mystery and horror because all those three things really kind of go together. Oh yeah. That's a very, that's a very fuchsia Venn diagram. You got a little pink, got a little purple, got a little blue. There's a lot going on in there. And I feel like Gothic is almost having a moment. And so I really was excited about it. And I also, so there was some really fabulous ladies with doing horror podcasts and I was not trying to replicate that because they're able to talk about elements of horror that I'm not like, I don't really know splatterpunk or I don't really do do slasher or anything. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I just don't have the language to talk about those things because they're not my things. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very gothic with my interests. And um, like, I remember your show about with Diana Biller or like talking about uh, Widow of Rose House, you and Amanda were sort of like in love with that book. And I'm like, yes, that's me. (laughs) So where I can have my ghosts, have a little like maybe sexiness in there, maybe have some mystery elements. And I love Sherry Thomas and and that kind of thing. So um And also I'm, you know, being Latina, I just wanted to have a space where I could talk about all of those things that I love, but also talk about those things either from my point of view or with, you know, just being a person of color, it just mattered to me to also have that voice out there. Absolutely. And nothing happens in a vacuum. No genre becomes popular without any connectivity to what is happening around it. Well, and look at look at everything happening with like Isabel Cañas right now and the Hacienda and, you know, a Mexican Gothic and all of that. And I'm like, yes, it's my time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's it's like, wow, wait a minute. Obviously, obviously Mexican Gothic. I mean, yeah. even within different subcultures within Mexico, there is so much of an active culture of ghosts and ancestry in the past. And the past is kind of perilous. And there's a lot of colonialism. Like there's a whole bunch of shit that's menacing from the past moving into the present, which is one of the hallmarks of Gothic, right? Like, of course, Mexican, of course. 
I mean, Sylvia Moreno Garcia has been out there doing the thing. And what I love about her is she just kind of writes whatever she feels like in the moment. It's not necessarily like she sticks to one. Yeah. You know how authors will sort of have a brand a lot of times. Sure. She, just, she writes like, okay, I'm going to write a, a Regency romance, or I'm going to write a vampire novel, or I'm going to write, you know, uh, the Gothic horror or something, but she's so good at her craft. Oh, she's so good. Master all those things. So tell me about some books that rock your world. I love asking this questions to, to, I love asking this question to librarians and bloggers and podcasters because you don't spend the amount of time that it takes to create a podcast about books without yeah. having some books that really speak to your soul and that those books are always different from different people. So tell me, past, present, future, tell me about the books that rocked your world. Well, the very first one was so easy for me to come up with to talk to you about. I talked about it on my episode with Isabel Cañas, and it's actually something that the Austin History Center has recorded as a um, oral history for part of an oral history project. Oh, so, <laughs> congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, look at you leaving your imprint on <laughs> Texas history. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> so, fuck it, yeah. It's like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel. My mom was very, she struggled when I was growing up to find, I mean, you know, it was the 70s and the 80s. I'm I'm 48 years old, so I'm firmly in Gen X, you know. Hi, I just turned 47 on Monday, so I'm there with you. Yes, I I, uh, I actually knew that you were right there with me because oh, yeah. I listened to your show. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, she's going to know all my references. Absolutely. Um, I love this well, book because I read it both in Spanish and in English. Oh, Nick, you're so much fancier than I am. <laughs> I was, it was for Spanish class, but like, I was like, wait, this is so fun. I've already read this. I know this story, but I don't know all these words. So now I get to find out yeah. the original language that it was published in and understand all of the nuances that don't happen in English. Oh, I love this book so much. Tell me everything. Well, so when I was little, my mother really struggled to find representation for me at all. She mm -hmm. really worked hard to, so that I wouldn't, you know, when I was growing up, we were supposed to be nothing. We weren't supposed to necessarily, uh, we weren't supposed to know Spanish. We weren't supposed to, and you know, my mom tried to show me those things, but socially in order to survive, I had to just be nothing. Um, and so she really struggled to fight against that. And, and the pressure that I was feeling like from teachers or from society at large and not seeing representation. So she would look for toys. Um, and there was no, brown toys or brown dolls or anything. So I either had African-American dolls or blonde ones. And finding a brunette was a big deal, you know? <laughs> and so she tried, and and in books, forget it, this was her white whale, you know? Um, so whenever Sandra Cisneros started writing, my mom was into her, but I was so immersed in trying to please my teachers and not, because you had to be extra. In the 70s and 80s, you had to be you had to work twice as hard so that your teachers wouldn't dismiss you and just write you off as a student. And so I'm reading all of the bullshit Dostoevsky and shit we're supposed to read, right? Mm -hmm. So mom is all enjoying herself with some Sandra Cisneros. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't have time. And then I transferred into the University of Texas. And I had been to Austin enough to know like, I'm a hermit and I'm feeling very awkward trying to assimilate into this dorm. Like, uh, let me just go to book people. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, I'm going to go hide in the bookshelves, right? That, that's what we introverted 
book people do, right? And I came across like Water for Chocolate. And you might remember, since you are Gen X, you might remember the movie poster with the hotties on it. Like the movie had just come out. Oh, yeah. They were beautiful, like every single person in that movie. And so, you know, when you're 19 years old, you're just sitting here going, well, I might want to be, <laughs> I might want to read the book with the beautiful people. <laughs> and so I picked it up and I read it in two days. And oh, I had wow. never done that before. And I just went down a rabbit hole of like, oh my gosh, who are other Latina writers? And yeah. I, I, for the first time felt proud and like I had a place in this world and like, oh, we write, we're artists, we're all these things, you know, and I had no idea. And I was so excited. Mom had worked so hard to try to impress that upon me, but sometimes you just have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. uh, As a, as a parent of teenagers, they don't like it when I tell them things, but then when something Mm -hmm. that happens in the outside world agrees with what I've said, they're like, wow. You were right. I'm like, yes, it happens a lot. You just missed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would happen when I was a high school librarian too. Like if a if a kid came in with a mohawk and and a misfit shirt, and I'm like, next year you're gonna like rockabilly, and they're like, you don't know, and I'm like, I always know, and of course they'd come in all rockabilly next year, going, how did you know? And I'm like, I just know these things. It's the <laughs> natural progression. You go punk to rockabilly. It's how it works. <laughs> We know weird things, don't we? We really do. And the older you get, the more you see this, the patterns and the cycles of things. Yeah. Like, oh, this is happening. Okay, so here's what's next. All right, get ready. It's yeah. like every February when all of the romance think pieces come out. I'm like, everybody get in the bunker. I've got wine. People who don't know anything about romance are going to write about it. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. It happens every year. It's no less annoying. It's getting better, but it's it's happening. Okay. And then, you know, come October... It's spooky season. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the same five things. Like, what if we didn't? So tell me about another book. Um, well, like Water for Chocolate, you know, the next one would be The Hacienda by Isabel Gañas, which I mentioned earlier. And that one's out and that's a big new one right now. And I don't know if you've read it. So like Water for Chocolate is definitely a love story, very different vibes in the Hacienda. I don't want people to think they will. That oh, oh wait, no, no, the- they're both books by Latina authors. So of course they're the exact same thing. Whereas <laughs> right. like Water for Chocolate is super hot erotic food and magical realism. Yes. The Hacienda is uh ghosts with a hot priest and witchcraft and <laughs> so many me- people just stopped listening to go find it. <laughs> When this comes out, somebody's going to be like, I'm sorry, I got to go. What? (laughs) Tara, the hot priest has every reader fanning themselves. People that didn't know they were looking for hot priests are looking for this book now. Oh, yes. And it's just a delicious, it's, so she wrote it kind of in conversation with Rebecca. There's Rebecca Easter eggs in there. Yep. It's very traditionally gothic, um, but it is just the best time. You know, <laughs> like the thing that's different than you, I mean, I love Rebecca and Maurier and all of that, but her book has, you know, Isabel Cañas's book has a character who's definitely stronger. You know, it's a little bit more modern with respect to, you know, obviously this character has a name and then <laughs> let's start there with the difference from Rebecca, right? Yeah. Um, and she's she's a stronger character, but you still have the isolation and the crumbling mansion. And um, you have an actual ghost, not the, is it a ghost or is it not a ghost? Um, and again, you know, Rebecca didn't have a hot priest. I mean, 
that right there. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I mean, you got to make up the difference, right? Right. And he's a brujo too. So even you know, better. Yeah. I kind of want to like lick my fingers when I'm done reading that book. Yeah. <laughs> it's very sexy. Goodness. She, that book is so delicious. It is absolutely top five for me. Ever. Ever. Awesome. Ever. Yes. Isn't it cool when a new book comes out and you realize, wow, this is now at the pinnacle of my list. At, no, no matter what age you are, like, wow, I can still be blown away by a book. This is amazing. I have purchased this for people to just give out so many times. Oh, it's, yeah. Um, and, it, and it's in hardcover. <laughs> there are books that I've done that with. Yeah. Sometimes I read a book and I think, oh, okay, I know exactly who needs this book right now. I will send it to you and I will send it to you. And then I have books that I send to people who are in bereavement. Like, okay, mm-hmm. you're exhausted. I'm going to send you some books. If you don't yeah. like them, don't worry about it. But this yeah. is just going to let your mind pause and breathe. I did this for my neighbor and then she loaned it to her mom. And then and, and there are very specific books. But when you hit the one that is like the best thing you've ever read and you think of like 10 people who need it immediately. Yes. It's awesome feeling. It's very, another form of the high of good book rec. Oh my gosh. Yes. And then like, I'm not going to give it out to randos. I'm going to give it out to people I know. No, of course. It. But you know, it when it, I see when it hits and it's so exciting. Yes. You know, <laughs> you start getting texts. Oh my God, this book. Oh my yes. God, this book. <laughs> so the next one, if you're ready for the next yes, one. Yes, bring. Sarah, do you ever have that experience where as much as you love a book, the audiobook is just divine? Yes. Okay. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. Cersei. Madeline Miller's Cersei is my third pick because that is like my summer soundtrack. I probably listened to that last summer at least three times. Wow. And I've already listened to it again this summer on my drives because I go visit my parents with my kid um, in the summer so that, you know, gosh, we need something to do with the kids, right? Mm -hmm. And since I'm from a beach town, perfect. Let's go visit grandma and grandpa. (laughs) The things to do are built in. Yes. Yes. 
And so I take Cersei with me and it's just so Cersei to me, I mean, you know, she's, it's mythology and she's a witch and everything, but the, and the book, I mean, if you've read it, the words, you know, are wonderful, but the reader for the book is so good. And I do that with like Neil Gaiman and a couple of others where, you know, the, the book is wonderful. I love the book. Even people like David Sedaris, something about the way they read it just really hits, you know, and in a way that's better, mm-hmm. I think for me. And with Cersei, it's like, not only are the words just beautifully dripping off her mouth, but like, I feel like she's talking to me. Yeah. You know, like it's a conversation. It's just a divine experience. And, and that's her Dito told- Weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. I've looked for other things that she's written. She hasn't, or read, she hasn't done that many audios. She's done a bunch of Philippa Gregory, and I think she did The Golem and the Ginny. Okay. Well, I guess I'm comparing it to Mary Jane Wells, which is probably unjust. You know, like Mary Jane Wells has got pages upon pages on Audible of books yeah. she's read. I'm actually in the middle of uh, listening right now to to Lisa Kleypas's Ravenel series, just because, I mean, I love Lisa Kleypas, but, you know, anything Mary Jane Wells reads, of course. Oh, yeah. You know? I've discovered authors by looking for, for books she reads. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are a lot of people who follow narrators. And I think that's so cool because, I mean, people, and you know this as a podcast, I think as a podcaster, I think a lot of the times people take for granted how intimate voice is. Yes. When, when someone is putting our voices in their eardrums, that's very intimate. It is yeah. very, very int- intimate. And narration is the same thing because you're, te- you're telling a story and there's so many ways to do that. But when you come across a good narrator who tells the story in a way that, uh, that adds another element to it, mm-hmm. Nalini Singh's audiobooks are just as amazing. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay, noted. Absolutely. I'm always on the hunt for an audio. I always have an audio going on or a podcast going on when I'm cleaning, washing dishes, cooking, whatever. Yep. You know, even just going to the grocery store, wandering around because I don't want to hear, you know, Chicago or something playing over for Ed in the grocery store. I'm walking around listening to a romance book or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cersei does that to me. And, you know, again, being from originally from a beach town, like she's on an island. Yeah. So, like, I have a sort of internalized knowledge of like maybe what that salty ocean wind feels like. And I can feel that sea breeze blowing through the hair and like that little trickle of sweat down the middle of your back in the Mm -hmm. middle of summer. Like I, you know, I, I just felt that book so viscerally. And then the way she reads it is just divine. It's a glorious experience. I cannot, every time I've recommended it to people come back in my DMs and like, you are so right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But yeah, it's my summer soundtrack. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it. Number four. Um, and then there were none by Agatha Christie. Oh. Yes. Sarah, I mean, I, okay, first it's a perfect Gothic. It's a perfect horror. It's a perfect mystery. It's all the things. And it does not hurt that the 2015 BBC production has Aiden Turner walking around in just a towel. Oh, <laughs> no, never say. Oh, man, what a sad, sad thing. And that is actually accurate to the book. (laughs) Aiden Turner in a towel. Again, many people have turned off this episode now. (laughs) All of a sudden, the listener numbers have dropped. I will watch in the, you know, when you get your stats and you see how many people listen. Yeah, there's going to be two points where the listener stats just draw like, I'm sorry, I got to go read this by. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's a three-part, like a mini-series that the BBC did. And I read the book before I even realized that was out because that had been out. I had only read this book a couple of years ago. If, mm-hmm. you, if you believe it, it took me that long to get to this book. Um, but it is now a perennial favorite for me. Um, for the rest of my life, it is just, it's one of the Christie books that does, it's one of the darkest. I don't even oh, know yeah. if they're as dark as this. All the other ones I've read are mystery novels that have either Perot or Marple, and they're kind of cheeky, slightly, like even though they're murder mysteries, like she invented the cozy. I mean, they're, they're still kind of, there's moments of humor, there's moments of where they're just not as dark as this. This is dark and gothic, and it's a pure horror novel. It's just, Absolute perfection. I'm this, I, and I think she knew it. She did say it's the hardest book she wrote. Yeah, I have a book recommendation if you like, Christy. Have you read Hither Page by Cat Sebastian? Oh no, no, okay. no, no. So Hither Page is the first one, and the Missing Page is the second one, and they are pitched as cozy Agatha Christie, except oh. really, really gay. Okay, and I mean everyone loves Cat Sebastian, so she, I'm going to just uh, go I, with this. It's so good. I read the two of them. I was immediately bummed that there weren't more. Like, they are so good. They are all of the types of notes of a cozy mystery. There's a small town. There's a small community. Um, Page and Summers. I think it's the Page and Summers series. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the men is a spy who is sent to find out what's going on in this small town because someone has been killed that shouldn't have been killed. Oh, my. And the other is a resident of the town who is a former war surgeon who is now the country doctor and they are all dealing with post-traumatic war bad memories not sure of what your actual job or place in the world is haven't experienced such horrible things plus Mm -hmm. a murder mystery and there's just queerness everywhere it's so good perfect for my show there you go (laughs) absolutely i might even yeah i might see if I can lure Kat to come talk about this. That should um, definitely you know, I, happen. I, am, I think you're the same. I mean, I am a fan of the of the midlist and the backlist. You oh, know, yeah. my it, theory is any book that you haven't read is a new book. It doesn't matter if it was published 200 years ago. Exactly. exactly. I, I, the episode I have coming out this week, at least at the time of this recording, is about the ghost bride. I mean, that book Heck is yeah. almost 10 yeah. years old. But you it know? was adapted and it keeps being rediscovered. It's and yeah. you know, it's still in print because it's rediscovered. And that's a marvelous book too. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's another one where the audible, or like the audio book is, is amazing because Young C. Chu, the author actually reads it. And so she perfectly does the differences between all the characters. You're completely engaged. She's amazing. <laughs> all right. What's next? My fifth and final book for the. Gotta you know, love a top five. World. Gotta yes, love a top yes. five. <sighs> Lady. It is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. I mean, I cannot be a gothic writer without a Shirley Jackson book. It's true. And this is about 130 pages or so. I mean, it's small. You can read it in the sitting. This has moments so perfect and subtle that you might miss them. Yep. You know, it's just perfection. And I do not know if there is any story I've ever written that doesn't have at least a little sliver of this novel in there. It is that big of a deal to me. It is just, it's horror without a monster that is like in monster form. Mm-hmm. You know, she is the queen of, of people being monsters. Oh, 
Y- y- yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. And um, and then, you know, the, I mean, of course, there's going to be things I love, like the 1950s aesthetic. And I think the movie adaptation that you can find on Netflix and Prime and stuff did a gorgeous job, again, accurately adapting this novel. And then also the look of it, you have all those beautiful wallpapers and the clothes and everything. I mean, you know, I'm a fan of a good adaptation, but this novel is just... I mean, it's just perfection. It's gothic without like where humans are the monsters. It's amazing. And it's short. It's, it's very short. short. It's short perfection. And Maricat is somebody that I think, you know, is kind of getting a little bit more attention. People are understanding a little bit ne- neurodiversity a little bit better now. And I think that she is a brilliant neurodiverse character. And as the mother of a neurodiverse child, it's just a friend of mine kind of honed in on something just this week where I was talking about this book and and she goes, you've just given me new understanding into why her sister wouldn't leave her. Because I was talking about Mary Kat's neurodiversity and I was like, absolutely. You know, her sister understood like how critical she was to her sister mm-hmm. in a place that would never understand her. And, you know, and we still struggle with that today, understanding neurodiversity oh, yeah. and you know, putting neurotypical expectations on neurodiverse people at all times to the point where they're exhausted, you know? So it's just, it's just profound and beautiful and perfect and, you know, 130 pages of perfection. And seriously, it's a book that once you read it, it's just going to sit in your brain and you'll think of it at odd moments. For the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like I said, every time I write, there is a sliver of that novel that will work its way into my stories. I just cannot. And I don't even do it intentionally. I'll just notice it as I go. So what books are you reading right now that you want to tell people about? Well, you're going to love this cover. You've probably already seen it because you are the the wonder goddess of romance. <laughs> I don't know about that, but okay. But this is going to come out. So everyone, if, if you fall in love with this concept, you're going to need to pre-order it because this one will come out in October, but I am going to have her on the show and I've read her short stories. I'm going to show you the cover. Can you see that? Oh, yes. That's um, a good cover. It's called On Good Authority, and it's by Brianna uh, Una McGunkin, and it is a kink-positive gothic romance in Victorian times. The cover Uh, reminds me a lot of um, The Widow of... Yes, The Widow of Rose House. Yes, Widow of Rose House. Can I read you the, the final line of the blurbs? Please do. The line between servitude and bondage is drawn, and the dynamics of dominance and submission will shift in the sensually charged novel of gothic suspense. And that sound you heard was all of the listeners hitting pause. (laughs) I felt like this was the perfect place, but it's on my nightstand right now because I'm about to dive into it since I'm going to interview her. Um, And I've I've read her short fiction. Sarah, her short fiction is so. She has got such a mastery of the craft that I'm mad that she hasn't been published as a novelist before. (laughs) It's just so good. Her gothic stories are so, like, every single word is 
like there's not a wasted word. Every single word is perfect and evocative and beautiful. And she's got such a mastery of the craft and she's a smarty librarian also um, <laughs> so, um, as her day gig. And so she appreciates, you know, a good story. And, and I'm just so excited for her that on good authority is going to be out in the world. So. And I think we're due for another exploration of BDSM. Yes. And what bondage and sexual role play mean and how it functions. Because it's always been there. You just sort of see it pop up in popular culture every now and again. Sometimes great, sometimes not so great. Well, and you know, Sarah, the thing is, I straddle pretty evenly the worlds of romance and and horror, mostly because gothic does. Yes, Um, exactly. And so, and, and I have my toe in both worlds. I follow authors in both worlds. And I'm just bummed that both of them are really interested in the merging of genre, but they're not talking to each other. And so like horror fans are are aware of On Good Authority and they're pre-ordering it, but I don't know if anybody in the romance world knows about it. And so that's why I was so excited to talk about it on here because like, okay, so, you know, the dumpster fire that is RWA. Well, but horror, yeah. horror has one that's not a dumpster fire, um, which is the, the HWA. And they just had a conference panel on horror mance. And, um, you know, the merging of horror and romance and erotica. And I, my most successful show now, all of the to- all of my shows that have these topics are very highly rated, <laughs> uh, but the one that has like everyone edged out is on erotic horror, and we talk about erotic. Uh, I mean, like horror mance, where there is supposed to be an HEA in this horror world, um, but it's also got a romance in there, and we talk about erotic horror, which is like more like erotica in the context of a horror story, um, which will lead to the next thing that I wanted to to share with you guys um, about currently reading, because I pick up the short story collection on my nightstand, read read a short story before bed, and then, you know, Very and cool. then dream, dream about some, some crazy shit. So, <laughs> I hear sometimes, you know, from romance readers, well, but it has the word horror, and I don't want to try it. And they, I don't want them to think, I think 80 slasher films really influence people's perception of horror and they all think it's just Stephen King. They have no idea that like women writers are the predominant force in thrillers and um and with horror. They're, you know, there's just there's such a loud voice. And I don't think they understand, you know, the romance readers that I've come across that there is such such a huge merging of of romance and horror coming together. Well, the last thing I want to talk to you about is exactly what I was saying is that the guest I had on that episode was V Castro and V Castro. I'm going to show you goddess of filth. This is her. It's a novella. So goddess of filth is definitely an erotic horror story um, that takes place in South Texas, San Antonio. She's from San Antonio, but I've also got here Mestiza blood. And because I'm from Texas, I'm going to say it my way, which is queen of chichadas. But you know, I've never heard it pronounced that way. My husband is from Virginia, so he'll say cicadas, but you know, in Spanish, we say chichadas. Um, so, Holy cow, learn something <laughs> every day. But, um, you know, her stuff is extremely sexy. Um, there, it's not about HEAs. She's not interested in putting a couple together. It's about, it's more erotica where it's a personal erotic journey. So, uh, as you said, horror and romance need to hang out. So we did. Yes. Where can people find you if they want to find more? Well, people can find me. Um, she wore black pod on Twitter. Awesome. Or you can 
Yeah. Or she wore black podcast on Instagram, or um, I keep my website pretty updated at she wore black podcast.com. And you can find links to uh, like books on our show notes and stuff there. And I'm hoping before we go, Sarah, that you can give me some uh, advice or maybe your readers can help me out. Um, a wife of uh, a, one of a brilliant horror writer, you know, his name is LP Hernandez. His wonderful, wonderful wife has asked for help looking for, and I know you've got this device on your website, erotic unicorn horror. If y'all can come up with something that niche, (laughs) help me find it. I'd love to pass that off. All right. I want to say that Diana Paterfriend wrote unicorn horror. I don't believe it's erotic because it might've been YA, but Diana Paterfriend wrote a series um, where the unicorns were evil. Killer Unicorns is the name of the series. The first one is called Rampant. Um, They can only be killed by the virgin descendants of Alexander the Great. Oh, of course. I will find some more and I'm certain that we can find some more in the comments for you. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much to Agatha for hanging out with me and for doing a crossover episode. You can find me on her podcast and I will link to her show and that episode in the show notes. And thank you for listening. It is an honor to keep you company for a little while each week. And I love knowing how much you enjoy the show. If you have recommendations for erotic unicorn horror, please email me at sarah at smartbitchestrashybooks.com or, you know, yell at me on Twitter. You can also find Agatha on Twitter. Either way, if this is a book where you're like, I know that one, it's like knowing the answer to a trivia question, right? Please get in touch because I know there's more out there. There are so many books and I think between all of us, we'll know about all of them at some point in the future, maybe one day. I always have a bad joke. This week's bad joke comes from Allison. Allison sent me three bad jokes. You know, if you want to send me bad jokes, you can do that. Where does chocolate milk come from? Where does chocolate milk come from? A dairy cacao. (laughs) Dairy cacao. Oh, it's so silly. Thank you, Allison. The minute I get an email where it's like, I have some jokes for you, I'm like, oh, this is the greatest moment of my day. So please, if you've got bad jokes, you should send them to me because, I mean, it, it's like a highlight of my week, I swear. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend, and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts. Dairy cacao. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.